We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 261. Part of the reason why I do the Equestrian Podcast is to get not only all of the different disciplines and the different ways to be working within the industry, but I love hearing different perspectives of what make up the entire team. And a big part of that are the parents and guardians and support system of riders and junior riders. I have always been so intrigued with the dynamic of a horse show mom or dad, and I got my wish because I have an incredible guest for you today. He is a horse show dad through and through and recently wrote a book called A Man Walks Into a Barn. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Chad Oldfather. Hi, Chad. Hello. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to get right to it. Tell me how you first found yourself in the equestrian world. Yeah, so my my story is probably a little bit different from most of your guests in that, you know, I didn't get there myself uh, directly. It, it was purely my daughter, my oldest daughter, uh, who brought us there and really kind of all started uh, when she was two can't pinpoint exactly when it was because she, like a lot of two-year-olds, you know, one week was interested in trains and airplanes or whatever it was. And then uh, all of a sudden the next week uh, it's horses. And, uh, you know, we just sort of figure, okay, well, this is the next phase and we'll, we'll entertain this for a bit and then it'll be something else. And uh, it it never was something else. It was, uh, it was just horses. So that was, she's, uh, she's about to turn 22 uh, in a couple months. So uh, that's been uh, 20 years ago now. Wow. And you have two daughters who became horse obsessed at a super young age. What was it? Tell me a little bit about what it was like getting thrown into the horse world like that for the very first time. Like that was yeah, kind of your I mean, initial was, exposure. And and it was, you know, and, and we've got, we've got three daughters and, and they all rode um, uh, at various points. Two of them, uh, two of them continued, uh, as you mentioned. Yeah. And you know, yeah, it was at the time we were coming into it, um, the internet wasn't yet what it has become. Um, so I didn't really know, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and it wasn't all that easy to look uh, either. And we had just moved to Milwaukee. Um, so we didn't know a lot of people uh, in town. I didn't really have a lot of a lot of people to turn to to ask advice from. So there was a little bit of, of kind of fumbling around, right? When those, those first few years, it was really just like, okay, well, you know, whatever we can do to, to get ourselves in the presence of horses seems like uh, that's always going to be a hit. So, so let's do that, you know, and whether that's a carriage ride or, or finding a mounted police officer or whatever, it, you know, parades are usually pretty good for that sort of thing. We'd do that. And then, uh, you know, when it, when it finally came time to, uh, to do the first riding lessons. Uh, some of that was, you know, Ada at the time was, was just a little over five years old. And I had uh, gotten a couple of recommendations from people who, um, who said, well, maybe, you know, maybe try these barns. And I called uh, and, you know, for the most part, they were like, yeah, well, it's kind of too young. Uh, you know, often kids that age aren't going to pay attention. Uh, and then, 
And then I called uh, this woman, uh, Bernadette Rucktaschel, uh, who was like, sure, uh, come on out um, and, and we'll give it a go. And so, you know, the rest is, rest is history. Um, you are the author of A Man Walks Into a Barn. Um, I think that that is, first of all, an incredible title, um, but really just kind of talks about your story, like kind of navigating fatherhood. Um, yeah, the, the kind of subtitle, Navigating Fatherhood in the Flawed and Fascinating World of Horses. So tell me a little bit about um, kind of this dynamic and how you were really exploring both the light and the darker sides of the equestrian sport. What do you think are some of the most challenging aspects of the sport, both for riders like your daughters or the parents at like, you know, you in your shoes? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the challenge is, I think the biggest one is just the cost, right? That even, you know, even at the most accessible levels, uh, it's still not cheap, right? It's it's not like, you know, it's not like having a kid who likes to run, right? Where you just buy some shoes and that's pretty much all you need. And and so, you know, there's 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 always that cost component to it. And uh, that only gets, you know, to be more of a presence as you as you move up through the levels in the sport, right? Where you're now, and I'm not I'm not showing just locally, but we got a trailer of the horse to Kentucky or whatever it might happen to be, right? Everything, uh, everything sort of adds up, and that just kind of, uh, you know, that that's that's a it's a limitation for parents, and of course, then that creates a, a limitation. Uh, for the kids, right? Because, you know, and in, in, this, in this world of social media, right, it's, it's very easy to see what other people are doing. It's very easy to see the people who have more, who are able to do more. And, uh, you know, that just makes it all that much more apparent that, right, there are these very real limits. And, um, you know, that, that happens with everything, for sure. But I don't know, it just, it just seems to take on a, a certain additional I don't know, presence or salience or however you want to put it uh, in, in the equestrian world. So, you know, in terms of challenges, I think, I think that's the big thing. Um, obviously time is, is, is one as well. Um, you know, it's a year round sport, right? Uh, the horses don't, don't have an off season. Uh, once you own one, you're kind of committed to, uh, to doing what needs to be done with it all year round. Uh, you know, and when you, when you live in a cold climate, that means you're going to be dealing with cold it means you're going to be dealing with heat. It means you're going to be dealing with bugs uh, when the summer comes around. So, um, you know, it really is this kind of nonstop thing, which is, uh, which is a blessing and a curse, really. What was one of your biggest worries as a father watching your daughters grow up in the horse world? You know, surprisingly, what wasn't one of the big ones for me, and I don't know, maybe this is, <laughs> maybe this is a character flaw of my own, but people used to ask, uh, do you ever get nervous? Um, in, in, in not in the I, I, there certainly were times I got nervous, but not in the sense that, you know, um, my daughters Audrey in particular had uh, a, a horse, um, a couple that were you know a little bit um, undisciplined. Let's just say a little had a little bit of a wild streak in them, and um, you know people ask, do, do you ever get nervous them jumping over these big jumps on these these horses that are sometimes a little bit hard to control? And I don't know, like that. I guess kind of, but it didn't, it didn't terrify me in a way that, uh, that it seems it might other people. And probably part of that is just, you know, I sort of grew up as a farm kid, maybe for half of my childhood, I spent plenty of time uh, around large animals as a kid. So that, you know, that type of danger, which is certainly there, but uh, wasn't, wasn't something that was, that was foreign to me. 
you know, I did get plenty nervous, of course, when it's when it's showtime and they're going into the ring and you want it to go well. But uh, but that's a different different kind of nervousness for sure. Obviously, you've already alluded to this, but a big topic in the industry and a topic in your book is just the idea of inaccessibility and the role that expenses and finances play in the sport. What has been your experience with how expensive riding is and how have you kind of navigated that with, you know, deciding, you know, having conversations with your family or your daughters, like just how far you were going to kind of take this endeavor? Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's it's a tricky thing for sure. And I would say we didn't fully understand that going in. And I, you know, I think among the motivations I had in writing the book was, was maybe to, to sort of lay that track out a little bit more for people who come after and want some sort of sense of, of what they might be stepping into. Because it, it gets more expensive at the higher levels. And it's hard to know. It, it's hard to know where that's going to go. And I, I'm not sure there's any clear template for how that unfolds from one person to the next either. So, you know, we really didn't have a plan, uh, maybe as much as, as we should have, although you're kind of limited in what you can do. Uh, but, you know, really just kind of made it up as, as we went along. And, you know, you kind of have to gauge how things are going and, and how realistic it might be to, to take it to the next step. You know, one of the things I did really kind of late in the game, uh, and this is in the book, and it's, it's based on a blog post I did for the Chronicle of the Horse, um, was just look at the, the show records of, I think it's the 20 people who made it to the, the second round at the McClay finals in whatever year it was, maybe 2019, maybe 2020 probably 2019 and just see how much showing they had all done. And it was an extraordinary amount, right? It was just the, the amount of showing that, that would have been absolutely beyond possibility um, for, for my daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think having an understanding of, you know, what it really realistically takes to, to get to that level and to, to perform or, you know, to really succeed at that level um, is, is something that, that people should understand. And, you know, again, part of the reason for the book is to, to try to lay a little bit of that out for folks to, to make the path somewhat more illuminated than it might otherwise have been. Sometimes I feel like one of the most challenging parts of a training program is the management aspect of all the horses, all of their care, and just the organization of it all. So there is this app that a million riders use today called Equilab, and it really does capture everything you need for your horse to track data, as well as log any information you might refer to in order to keep your horse healthy and safe and organized. I'm talking tracking rides, gate distribution, being able to have your position set live so that other people can keep track of where you are on a trail ride. You can organize your riding, farrier, if you were lunging or jumping a certain day and keep track of the schedule. You can also share your journey with other people who use the app. It just offers so much organization. It's super fun to use and really informative, especially as you get more and more competitive and really every little detail counts that you're able to collect data to really make sure that your horse is in peak performance. But really it is for every level and every discipline. So if you want more information, visit their website at equilab.horse. That's E-Q-U-I-L-A-B dot horse and get more information. Was that the article that was called What I Wish I Had Known? 
Um, I think it's called On the Outside Looking In. Okay. Uh, I think is, is the title of that one. Okay. Because I, I know you wrote, I saw a blog article that you wrote a few years ago, like in 2018, um, titled What I Wish I Had Known, which kind of included your tips for new horse dads. And you get, um, you know, talking about the idea of like, you get used to the hurry up and wait, yeah. um, steer clear <laughs> of gossip, and it's hard to know what the goal should be. Um, has anything changed for you since you wrote that post? Uh, in the last mm-hmm. few years, there's obviously been a lot going on, but is there something new you'd like to add to that list? I think it was a pretty good list and I'll, you know, I'll yeah. stick to it. And I, I did, I did update that somewhat, you know, for the version that, that ended up in the book. And, you know, too, I'm at this point where this thing that was an everyday presence pretty much in my life, um, that is going to a horse farm has really become something I do now a couple of times a month, which is really a pretty striking change. So, you know, I think, um, last, last calendar year, uh, I went to exactly one horse show, which, oh. um, you know, which was, which was quite a change from how things had been for a while. So yeah. now I'm, now I'm more looking back uh, than anything when it, when it comes to this stuff and, you know, the next chapter will come. One of the, one of the cool things about, about having written the book is, is hearing from people who have read it. And, and uh, pretty early on, I got a response from, from someone who had read it and, and uh, you know, who's, who's now experiencing the world as a, as a horse grandparent uh, and says, you know, here's, here's what's coming. So uh, I'm sure it's not done. And I look forward to the next part, but we're kind of at a pause uh, right now. At your peak, like, you know, kind of the height of your daughter's junior careers, how often were you traveling for shows? Uh, you know, I mean, it sort of goes to the, the idea of the limitations because it really wasn't, you know, in the scheme of things all that often, right? We, we did, um, we would do, you know, as many kind of locally, uh, as, as possible. Um, you know, there really aren't when you're, when you're doing shows at the A circuit level, there really aren't any in Wisconsin. So you have to, you have to go into Illinois uh, right. to even start doing that. Um, so, you know, we would go there. Um, several times a year, various places uh, in Illinois. I grew um, up doing ledges and lamplight. So. Yep. So ledges, <laughs> lamplight. I think. Uh, I think there was. I don't. I don't know if it's going on anymore. But there used to be an A show that took place at uh, the place in in Camp Lake. Is it Silverwood? That sounds right. Um, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So it's ledges, lamplight for for that couple of years where where uh, Balmoral was uh, was in existence uh, there. Uh, and then, you know, into, uh, into Kentucky, St. Louis, uh, WEC in Ohio, you know, and then, uh, so, the, so, the, so, you know, a couple times uh, a year for those places. And now it's, you know, the, the one I went to was, uh, cause Audrey's at the university of Virginia. And so they were, uh, it was, it was, I was there for parents weekend and, uh, they had a show at the, I think it's called the Virginia horse center, uh, in Lexington. So that was the show I went to in, uh, in 2021. Obviously, a part of this dynamic as a horse show dad, you experience lots of highs, but you also experience the disappointment that comes, um, you know, along the way with your daughters as, you know, they've kind of navigated through their career. So how have you dealt with disappointment? What keeps you going and, you know, continuing to inspire your daughters to keep going, even though they're faced with disappointment? Yeah, I mean that's hard, and and I don't know if I don't know if I have an easy answer to that. I mean, you know, I think one of the great things of equestrian sport or any sport, right, is that you you have to just learn how to adjust uh, in light of that and develop the resilience that's required to be like, okay, uh, you know, I gotta figure out 
what what can I take from that, right? And, and you know, this is you carry around these phrases that you hear from those very first lessons, right? So that just prompted me to remember, you know, Bernadette saying a million times I heard this, right? Falls are never failures, they're learning experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, so just kind of reminding, you know, oneself, your daughters of, of those messages and trying to trying to reframe things, um, I guess, as best you can. And, you know, understand that and, and always understanding too, right? That, um, you know, it's easy to to turn around and look at the people who have more, who are able to do more showing, have the fancier horses and so forth. But really to remember, look, there are lots of people who would really, really, really love to be able to do what you've been able to do. So, you know, count your blessings because there've been plenty of them. Um, is, so, yeah, you know, just so kind true. of- framing things um, mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, tries to put it all in perspective. And that takes time, but uh, that's okay. How long did you have the idea for a man walks into a barn? Like, had you thought about it for a while? What kind of prompted you to take that next step and write the book? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought, I, <laughs> I thought about it for a long time. Right. And I, I'd kind of kicked around. I mean, it, it was a very gradual process, right? I've always liked writing. Um, it's, you know, I do a very different sort of writing in, in my day job. Um, and uh, there really was kind of a moment. Um, I was on, I don't, I, I was on my way back from the Kentucky horse park and I had ended up um, making that drive solo. And I was, you know, listening to, listening to satellite radio and all the, I don't remember what's what station, but the, the DJ pauses and like, all right, this next song, like, I never forget the first time I heard this Next song, I had to pull off to the side of the road and, you know, like, listen to it. And so I thought, well, I better pay attention. Um, <laughs> and so I did. And it's it's this song, and I, I cannot remember the name of it right off the top of my head, but it's uh, the artist is Frank Turner. And, and the part of the chorus is get uh, is uh, no one gets remembered for the things they didn't do, which I was like, all right, well, I've been thinking about doing this thing uh, for a while. Um, this maybe is the prompt that suggests, like, just do it, you know, do the thing yeah, um, and, and see what happens. And uh, so it was, it was after that uh, I, you know, put together this proposal, emailed it to Molly Sorge, uh, who was then at the Chronicle of the Horse. I was like, hey, you know, I have an idea for, you know, a series of blog posts. What do you think? And she said, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and do it. And so um, that's how it started. And then you know, along the way, various people said, oh, you should write a book. And I thought, well, I probably should write a book. And, uh, you know, then you finally reach the point where you're like, all right, I'm either going to write that book now or it's not going to get written. So, um, so here goes. And then when did the book uh, become available to the public? It was uh, March of 2022, you know, publishing, like just about everything else has been dealing with supply chain uh, issues lately. So I think it was, I don't remember when it was initially scheduled to come out. I think, I think the plan had been, um, right around the beginning of December of, of 2021, but uh, but that didn't quite happen. So March, I don't remember the exact date, but March, 2022. Amazing. Um, well, I am so excited. I've seen it on Amazon. Um, I need to go grab a copy, but if people want to grab a copy for themselves, where can they get one? So yeah, they can, uh, they can certainly get one uh, at Amazon. Uh, any of the, uh, you can get it directly from the publisher, which uh, Trafalgar Square, uh, books, which is, uh, I, I, the website I think is, is it horse and horse rider? and rider books? Yeah. yeah. Horse and rider books.com. That's the fastest way to get it. Um, that's the way, uh, to get it that, you know, allows the publisher to, to get as much of a slice as they can. So, uh, I always want them to do well. 
um, for having given me the opportunity to do this. Trafalgar so, Square is incredible. They, yeah. I have had a lot of authors um, through Horse and Rider books on the podcast, and I think they do such a nice job, you know, having such a huge range of horse-related books for, you know, anything you could possibly want that's horse-related um, in a book. I, I think it's just, yeah, I think they do an incredible job. So yeah, um, they're tremendous people too. So, mm -hmm. you know, absolutely support them. Yes. Amazing. Well, that is horseandriderbooks.com. But Chad, thank you so much for taking the time and, and sharing your story. I think it resonates with so many people, both parents and riders themselves. I think, you know, growing up riding my whole life, um, my dad is no longer with me, but um, I, I know that he would have resonated so much with um, being, you know, being a horse show dad and taking me to horse shows. And so um, I think that your book touches so many equestrians lives and um, parents of equestrians lives. So thank you so much for taking that step and doing it and not just thinking yeah. about it. And yeah. I, I really wish you all the best. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I'll just, I'll just throw in one last, one last pitch from myself here at the end, which, you know, I think it's parents for sure. I've heard from lots of parents who've enjoyed reading it riders too. Uh, and, you know, I think there's, I think there's stuff in there for trainers uh, mm. as well. Um, and, uh, you know, there's certainly a chapter that's, that's directed at them. So I, you know, if you're a trainer, um, you might not like everything I have to say, but I think you could, uh, you could learn from it. So, but thank you very much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.